So when I was a young boy, uh, my grandmother would, she lived with me at the time, and um, she would read to me the Psalms, and we would pray together. And it was such a beautiful moment. And I, I can't remember quite exactly how old I was when this was happening, but I remember certain incidents where um, I come in there, and she looks at me, and she says, Daniel, would, would you pray for me? I, I feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. And, and I kind of looked at her, and I was like, well, Grandma, why don't you just go outside and pray? <laughs> There's nothing to hinder you. And um, it's the innocence of the mind of a child, how simple their thinking is. And I look at my own two boys right now, and uh, I, I'm in awe of them. And um, it's such a great moment to, to witness where they are at in life. So uh, let me just be honest. I'm really quite surprised that I'm up here this morning. Um, it's by God's grace and his will that here we are. Um, to be extremely honest, I actually tried to get out of doing it this morning about four times. <laughs> and... Um, you know, I, I don't know how many drafts I have actually written to get to where we are today, and uh, even now in my own mind currently, just going through it, trying to figure out how to say what the Lord wants me to say, what he's teaching me. And um, in my, to my embarrassment, several people have read one of my first drafts, and uh, to be honest, again, that was my fourth attempt to show Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve, I have nothing to give you. It was, it was, the first draft was so terrible. I was like, okay, I send this to him. He's going to come back and be like, Daniel, you're, you're right. You, you know, you don't got anything. Uh, but we all know Pastor Steve, right? Uh, and his wisdom and his grace, he just responds to me and says, you know, Daniel, trust in the Lord. He's going to provide. And so, um, so I have to, uh, here I am. Uh, and, um, I'm glad that I did write those first drafts, those many drafts, because it did help me see my error in my thinking and my feeling that I was going through. Um, so today, this morning, I have more of a testimonial-type devotion than a devotion. It's more about what the Lord's been doing in our family's life this past year and what he's uh, currently teaching me. Um, you know, Many of you have known, we, we've gone through two significant trials this year back-to-back and um, still currently going through a lot more other types of difficult trials. And uh, I have to say, Pastor Steve's words are true. Trust in the Lord, and he will provide. So let me begin this testimony with my past. You see, I, I once thought of myself as a very, very strong man. I... You know, I, uh, before, before the war, in the Marine Corps, in the war, after the war, the things that I went through, I, I, I thought that I, I could face anything. I thought any trial that I would come, come my way, it, it was nothing compared to what I once went through in those type of circumstances. And to be very honest, again, um, and please don't judge me in my weakness as I display and share my vulnerability, but... Um, and my youthfulness as an early Christian right after that, I would look at other people and be like, what? why are you struggling this way? That's nothing compared to, to this. And, and, you know, I'd compare and judge. And the Lord really had to humble me in my early youth as an early Christian in my early 20s to be like, what one trial is to one person, it may be easy for you, 
but for what you're going through, a trial that you may go through may be hard for somebody else or easy for them. And so we're not called to judge the trial upon which we are facing. We are called to come alongside each other, pray and support each other. And so again, let me get back to it. At this time, I thought I was able to conquer anything. I mean, I felt like I already did conquer death itself. And I was completely unaware of the types of obstacles and trials that a husband and a father faces. I thought facing war and death and all of that was nothing compared to anything else. And as I'm up here right now, let me just tell you, I'd rather face those trials than the trials of a husband and a father. Those are so much more difficult. You know, so like I said, this is more of a testimony. It's more of a story about our lives. Excuse me one second. So upon preparing this and reflecting on what the Lord's been doing in our lives, I was reflecting on my family. You see, I have a long-term memory loss. The longer I go, the more memories that fade away. So I have to cherish the memories that I am able to hold on to. And I was reflecting on my boys and how amazing their births were and how exactly different each one was. Daniel was my uh, firstborn, and uh, Fernanda had to be induced. We're in the hospital. It's taken several days. It's like, oh, my goodness, are you, are you coming yet? And uh, he, he was taking his time. And the night before his birth, a nurse comes in, does a routine checkup. Then within seconds, another nurse, and then another nurse, and then another nurse. Very professional, very calm. And uh, my mother-in-law is escorted out. And the, the nurse looks at me and says, Daddy, are you Okay. Um, apparently at that point, my son's heart rate was slowing down and I I looked at her calm, you know, tried to, you know, be a man, exemplify strength. And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. But that was the first moment in my life where I realized I had no control of what would happen. I had no control. I couldn't prevent anything from happening to my son or to my wife. And I had to pray to the Lord and I had to seek him in that circumstance. It was a terrifying moment for me. And everything worked out. And uh, the birth came the very next day. And uh, to, to compare his birth to Elisha's birth, you know how in the movies you have the husband next to the wife holding, and the wife's gripping the hand, breaking the man's hand, and he's put, encouraging her, pushing her to go on? That is not what happened with Fernanda and I. It was me gripping Fernanda's hand as hard as I could, dead silent, terrified of what was going on. And he comes out, and the nurse had to tell me. He's like, Daddy, it's okay. You can go over and see your son. And I walked over, and I held him, and I was terrified. I had a moment of such extreme joy and, terif- and being terrified. I, and I, I was wondering, he's like, Lord, how do I love him? How do I show that love to him? Will I love him? How do I love him and my wife? It, uh, why would you let me be a father? You, you know who I am. You know the struggles I go through. Why? why? No. You know, I, was, I was terrified. Um, but the Lord did show me how to love my son. And um, so next is my next, my next son, Elisha. A year and five months later, completely different story. I'm working the 3 a.m. shift. And uh, it's a long day. I come home. Fernanda, the boys are asleep. Fernanda tells me, I'm starting to feel cramps. I'm like, okay, what's well, going to be like the last one? I'm more prepared. It's going to be a couple-day event. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I got to go to work at 3 a.m., so I'm going to bed. 
I, I go to bed, and uh, Fernanda wakes me up right away. And she's like, babe, my water just broke. I sit up, I look at her, and I say, your water didn't just break. What are you talking about? And I laid back down to go to sleep. And she's like, no, my water just broke. And uh, I was like, oh, this is not the same as last time. <laughs> and so we go to the hospital, everything's ready. And, and this time is COVID time. You know, Daniel was literally weeks before COVID, so not enough nurses. And the doctor's like, you know, get in here. And here I am. I got her leg, holding her back, encouraging her, pushing her. I'm, I'm involved in the process. And what an amazing thing. And the first thing my son Elisha does when he comes out of the womb is uh, his eyes aren't even open yet. And he just pees on me. And my response to that was, yes, his body works. It's functioning. And, and uh, the love that I have for them is indescribable. Guys at work ask me, like, what is it like to be a father? What is it like to be a husband? You know, and I'm that annoying father that will be like, look, look what he's doing. You know, I, I love my boys. And I, there's no words to describe it. They're mine. I'm sorry. I would do anything for them, but I have to learn, the Lord is teaching me, that I can't prevent their suffering can't prevent the trials they'll go through, but I can suffer alongside them. And that's what I am trying to learn that the Lord's teaching me. So I'd describe, I'm sorry, I'm going to describe two trials this year that you both are, you all will be very familiar with. The first trial is my wife, her knee goes out, she can't walk, and uh, our whole life is up, uh, turned upside down. Um, in that moment, uh, we have to reshuffle everything in our lives. Uh, I can't go to work because she can't walk and she can't take care of the kids. We have to figure out these situations and get her to the doctor. Um, and I'm upset. I'm upset in this moment. I'm upset because I'm not strong enough for my wife. I wasn't ready to take on two roles, the role that she provides so greatly for my kids and the role of provision and being a father and I was weak, am weak. And there was this one very difficult day. You know, she couldn't move. Boys are very fussy. And, um, you know, I was observing this, and I'm trying to be strong. I'm trying to portray what, you know, the world wants a man to be like, but it's not there. And I had to walk upstairs after everything calmed down, and I fell to my knees at the stairs. And I cried. You know, Lord, why do they have to suffer? Let me suffer. Let me have the pain. Why am I not strong enough? My poor children, my poor wife. But let me tell you that the Lord is with us this entire time. Even when you don't recognize, even when you don't see it, he was there and he provided for us. He protected us and he was with us. And I learned exactly how difficult a job my wife has. And I've grown to respect exactly how strong of a woman she is. And so she begins to recover. I'm thinking a moment of peace, yes. 
we're getting back to normal. I thought I was afraid of surgery and months of recovery and trying to figure out how, we're, how I can provide and go to work and still, you know, and things start, are looking good. They're looking up. And then the next thing you know, my son has to be rushed to the hospital. Uh, ripped, I'm ripped away from them again. Dad has to go home. My only mom. No idea what's going on. They don't really tell you much. And again, I get home that night and I'm crying. Lord, not them. Not them. You know, I try to be strong, but I was struggling. Felt alone. My wife and children were alone. Don't let them suffer. So I had to run to the Lord for strength. He never left me. He never left my wife. He was always there. When I needed the strength, he gave me the strength. And I sought encouragement from my church. And for my mentor, L, and let me just tell you how nice it feels to know that that type of support and care, even when you still feel weak, when you feel like a failure. And I feel so happy that I'm learning, starting to learn, and will always learn this where my boys are at a young age, so that they won't be able to witness, and hopefully will never witness how weak of a man I was in these moments. And Pastor Steve's words will always reign true. Trust in the Lord, he will provide. So I began to go to the scriptures at this time. It's the second night my wife and my son are in the hospital alone. I'm taking care of Daniel all by myself. And to be honest, I, I, we had a great time together, except he didn't eat anything I made. Um, we were doing our evening routine. We're, we, we put on music, and we dance, and we play, and a song comes on. It's a Christian song, a cartoon little thing, where it's from the risers, and they sing a verse. Uh, they don't add anything. It's just literally the verse in song form. It was Thessalonians, and in that moment, I stopped, and I listened to what was, the verse was, and my son looks at me, turns around, and he's like, what are you doing? Dad, you're supposed to be dancing. He's trying to get me to dance, and, you know, so... I get back to it, but I put them down. I go back to that verse. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That verse cut me to my heart, brought me to my knees, because I wasn't rejoicing. I was not rejoicing in these circumstances. And so I had to pray, and I had to ponder, and I had to go to the Word And it led me to James. James tells us to count it all joy when we face various trials. If I'm honest, I do not like spiritual trials. I would much rather be, again, buried in the bone-chilling mud up to my neck in a freezing cold night than face a spiritual trial. I don't like it. But James does say, count it all joy. And he gives us the reason why we count it all joy. James says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the Thessalonians passage and the James passage correlate very well together. They are both found in the imperative form. So the imperative form is it's a command from God. So we are commanded to rejoice always. We are commanded to pray without ceasing, and not just for ourselves and our own interests, but for those of others. We are also commanded to count it a joy when we face trials. And why is that? 
Thessalonians says, because it's the will of God. James says, so that the testing of your faith produces that steadfastness for its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. My mentor, L, many of you might know him as L Ridge. I go to him often for everything. Um, he reminds me not to be worried about facing a trial. Rather, be worried when you never face trials and you're comfortable in your sin. And so I wanted to compare this to a challenge, challenges like the Marine Corps gives. Yeah, I never look forward to those either. They're physical and mental. But all of those were for the purpose of making us strong for the war that we were facing. And no one likes them. But those that endured actually saw the fruit of it when we were in those situations that we were facing. And in, in the same manner, that is why we go through spiritual trials. We are called to remain steadfast and persevere in them. James says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So let's be honest with ourselves here. This is, a lot, this is said a lot easier than it is to be done. And so I have to ask myself the question as I'm going through this because I'm recognizing how I'm feeling. What about when we're feeling weak and you're struggling to persevere? What then? What hope do we have? Now, that's a very important question because we are Christians. We know what hope we have. In Christ alone, our hope is found. So I am learning that despite my weakness, despite my weakness to rejoice, despite my weakness to persevere, I still have an intercessor, our great high priest, Jesus Christ, who is always with us and is always making intercession for us. It's not about our own strength. We rely on Christ's strength. So I want to read you a, a little brief thing from the Valley of Vision that El sent me during this difficult time. Just, just a short, brief clip. I have the whole thing, but I don't have time for it. Um, so it, says, it reads this, from the Valley of Visions, the title, O Source of All Good. Herein is wonder of wonders. He, that is Christ, came below to raise me above, was born like me that I might become like him. Herein is love. When I can't rise to him, he draws near on wings of grace to raise me to himself. Herein is power. When deity and humanity were infinitely apart, he united them in indissoluble unity, the uncreated and created. Herein is wisdom. When I was undone with no will to return to him, and no intellect to devise recovery. He, God incarnate, to save me to the uttermost, as man to die my death, to shed satisfying blood on my behalf, to work out a perfect righteousness for me. So when we are weak and we're struggling to persevere in these things, we must not rely on our own strength. It is the Lord that preserves us. Despite how we feel in the moment, despite how I felt in the moment, I felt alone. I was never alone. Christ never left me. Despite how I felt 
in the moment, despite how we feel, we run to the Lord. We seek him and you will find him. And that's a, I, that's a weird phrase because we're seeking him and finding him, but he was always there. He was right there with us the entire time. He's already with you. He already has you in your hands. And it's an encouraging thing to think about in perseverance, that when I cannot rise to him, he draws near to me on wings of grace to raise us to himself. We are not alone. In Christ alone, our hope is found. So while on earth our suffering because of sin will always endure, it will never cease. We, still, we will have seasons of peace and we'll have many seasons of trials and, and pain. Paul says in Philippians that his desire is to, to be, depart and be with Christ for that is far better. We would all agree to depart and be with Christ is far better. But the suffering that we go through, the pain and trials that we will suffer through, it not only builds up ourselves and our own faith, but it also builds up the faith of the believers and body of Christ when we suffer and go through them together. We are not alone in our suffering. We have Christ and we have the body of believers. So Paul says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. So let me try to begin to conclude this testimonial devotion. I've stated several times the Lord is teaching me some very specific things, and if I was to stay up here and tell you I fully understand it and I fully grasp it and next, next lesson, um, I'd be lying. Uh, you know, in fact, for all eternity, we will always be learning and growing in Christ, even in heaven. So let me apply this to myself. God is teaching me to trust in him in all circumstances and to rejoice always and be joyful that he's growing my faith no matter how difficult the circumstances may feel. God is teaching me to take refuge in my rock and in my fortress, my cornerstone, as the Lord Jesus Christ who is worthy to be praised. He is our cornerstone, our solid rock, and our foundation. In Christ alone, our hope is found. All of the ground is sinking sand. And Christ, he actively and continuously intercedes on our behalf. When I cannot rise to him in those weak moments, and I can't rise to him, I don't need to fear. I do not need to fear of my weakness because Christ brings me to himself. We have a great high priest. Families will always go through trials and struggles. They are never going to end. But we are not alone. The Lord continuously has to bring us to his word for comfort. He is interceding for me in my weakness. He brings me to the body of believers for prayer and support. And Christ reminds me, whom whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, will fail, but God is the strength of my heart and portion forever. 
been talking a lot about weakness. And uh, Brother Leo yesterday sent me the most amazing text and the most amazing time only given by the Lord. And uh, I called him, cried with him on the phone last night about this. I feel vulnerable. I feel weak in this moment. Leo brings me to 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and I'm just going to read part of it. It just says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So may we all be able to sing to the Lord, no matter our lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. May God be the strength of my heart and my portion forever. May God receive all glory, honor, and praise due to him. And when my heart and flesh fail, when my heart and flesh fail, my God never will. Amen.